Hallelujah. Good to see you. Yeah. Amen. Brother Reverend Dwayne said, good to be seen. I agree. It's a good thing. Well, we are so excited about this morning. We have Reverend Dwayne Byerly with Prophecy and Promises, and uh, he we're going to jump right into this. Uh, this morning, he's going to be doing some teaching, and uh, then in the uh, worship service, he's going to be ministering some more about what's going on in the world, what the Bible says about these times, and uh, it's going to be exciting. I've been looking forward to this because it, generally, if something happens in the world uh, and it's got my attention, I'll call up brother Dwayne and say hey how's this connect and he'll tell me how it connects and I say good just need to be in the loop thank you very much that's not you know you know your lane that's not my specialty but it is his and that's why we have different parts of the body and and when I need to know something that will help you then uh, he is a resource to me and and I really really appreciate that so uh, let's just pray and you can come on up brother and uh, father right now we just receive we receive from you. We thank you. Thank you so much for what you're pouring out. Lord, in prayer this morning, what, what we prayed is that we would not be destroyed and we would not be in captivity because of a lack of knowledge and a lack of understanding. But Lord, your word, your promises, your life would be released this morning and draw us straight out of any captivity, any bondage, and we receive it. We prepare our hearts for that and receive that in Jesus' name. And Lord, we praise you and we esteem the gift that Brother Dwayne is to the body of Christ in every way, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. amen. Glory. Thank yes, you, sir. I love you, Pastor. Thank you very much. Here's some water. Some water? You going to baptize me? I can. <laughs> hey, this might be fun to get baptized a second time, you know? <laughs> What's, it is a confession of our, of our new life in Jesus Christ. So, you know, why can't we get baptized again? You know? You know, when people travel to Israel, they like to get baptized in the Jordan where Jesus was baptized. It's, it could be a lot of fun. <laughs> I like to swim. <laughs> well, praise God. It is good to be back here this morning at Boomerang Church, and it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. We don't get here quite enough. Amen. We don't get here quite enough. Um, as Pastor said... Uh, some of you, I, I remember from last time, and, and you look familiar, some of you are new, and that's good, praise God. But uh, I do deal with Bible prophecy, and I deal with it with no doom, no gloom, and no fear. Because doom, gloom, and fear is not how, what God is. You know, Paul told us that when we, when we gather ourselves together like today, we do it for the building up of the body of Christ, for the edifying. And doom and gloom doesn't edify you. Doom and gloom don't make you feel good, right? And, and we want to feel good. Everybody likes to feel good. But fear? When a, when, a, when, a, when a man of God, I don't doubt their sincerity or their heart towards God, but when they bring a message that brings and instills fear into you and makes you nervous, no matter how much they love God, they brought it with the wrong spirit because God has not given us a spirit of fear. And so um, I do my utmost to keep from doing that because we have victory in Christ Jesus. 
We have victory in Christ Jesus. Well, this morning for the, for the Bible study here, I wanted to talk to you a little bit. I'm just going to go right ahead because um, we have this little service here, and then we have a service at uh, 11, and I've got enough to go until Wednesday. So, uh, you know, with every, almost every nation on the earth now is playing a part in Bible prophecy. It's exciting because Jesus is coming soon. Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, the one who took us out of the old life and brought us into this new life, the one who gave himself for us, he's coming back. We're going to see him. And you know what? If he doesn't come back and you die, you're going to see him then too. At least I hope you do. I hope you, you, but you're going to see him then too. I mean, we're going to see him, but he's coming soon. So uh, I want to talk a little bit this morning out of uh, Thessalonians. Second uh, Thessalonians. We're living in, in perilous times. We know this. And without knowing and loving our God, we may allow ourselves to become discouraged or deceived about what God is doing and what he's going to do. See, we can live this life as overcomers expecting Jesus' appearing. So this letter from Paul to the Thessalonians is a letter of encouragement and revelation to the early church. It's going to point out the position of the church and the timing of a crucial end-time event, which is the catching away. So, um, 2 Thessalonians, and let's start in verse 3. Paul is telling them, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because, of your, because your faith grows exceedingly. Now, when, 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 when I read this, think about him writing this to you, because this is to you. He says, Brother as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you abounds towards each other so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience, your faith, in all your persecutions and tribulations, you endure. Hallelujah. You overcome. Which is manifest evidence. Oh, so all these things are evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom for which you also suffer. These things are, 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 are a picture of what the church looks like back then, what this church looked like. We want to strive for these things. We want to be, we want to have a faith that's growing exceedingly. We want to have love for each other. We want to have love for the lost. We want to have patience and faith. These are, these are fruit of the Spirit. Because in persecutions and tribulations, we must endure. And we can endure. And it says God judges us as righteous when we do these things and when we live this way. And says that we're worthy of the kingdom of God. We're worthy to be called away. 
See, the Thessalonians were under a great persecution. They were under persecution, and they were thinking, at this point, they were thinking that, man, we must have missed the rapture, and this is the tribulation period we're in. We've got people like that now today. We've got people like that now today. They think we're in the tribulation period. And we're, we're, we're definitely not. But they're, they're, it is perilous times. But so they were, they, were, they, were, they were living the life of Christ, being persecuted. And I'm sure they were, they were starting to wonder, well, what's happening? Why, why is all this happening? And see, wondering is wandering. Wondering is wandering when it comes to God's Word. Doubt caused the children of Israel to wander in the desert for 40 years. Their doubt, their disobedience to God's Word, them not thinking that God's Word was true. You know? Some of them lost their very lives. Half of them didn't, didn't even make it through the wilderness experience. Wondering or doubt delay the promises of God. Don't doubt our Lord. He's got this. He's got this. He's got this. He, he, he knows what's going to happen. He knows the, bit, the end from the beginning. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's got this. We have no reason to fear in these times, in these last days, even though they are perilous times. We have no reason to fear. No reason. So in 2 Thessalonians, and you slip over to, to uh, chapter 2. And it says, some of your Bibles may have at the beginning of it. Uh, y'all do have Bibles, right? Okay, good. Good, good, good. Uh, I hope Pastor Brian uh, encourages that here. Um, it says the great apostasy. And if, and if your Bible says the great apostasy there at the beginning of that chapter, you might want to change it to the, the great departure. Let's read here. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering to him, we ask you. Now, let me take my watch off here. Oh, we're doing good. It's only 920. I do have a Tennessee watch, you know. Uh, he says, this is what Paul's talking about here. Concerning two events. Paul's talking to the church concerning two events. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering together unto him. There are two separate events. The coming of the Lord is at the end of the tribulation period. The gathering together of the saints is before the tribulation period. There are two different events and they have purposes. The coming of the Lord is to return with the church. Jesus returns with the church, the army of God. And that's in Revelation 19. The, the coming of the Lord is for the battle of Armageddon. The battle of Armageddon is just a one-day battle. It's a one-day event. It's at the end of the tribulation period. He comes to execute the wrath of the Lamb. Let me tell you, Jesus has wrath. He is a God of love. And we, and, and we focus a lot on that because his love is amazing. It's great. But if you think of how great his love is, 
Think of how bad his wrath could be. Now, he reserved, Nahum, the prophet Nahum tells us he reserves his wrath for the wicked. So that's not us. Amen. That's not us. Amen. So he comes to execute the wrath of the Lamb to end the tribulation period and to do away with the Antichrist rule. Um, he also comes at his coming for the sitting up of his throne, for his theocracy. See, we have a democracy but when Jesus comes back, we're going to have a theocracy, theo, based on God, based on this book. This is what's going to rule and reign all the nations. This book will be the law book Amen. for every nation and every people. Amen. So he's going to set up his theocracy. You get that in Isaiah 9, 6. He's going to fully restore Israel. He has started restoring Israel in May uh, 1948. But he's going to fully restore it. And he's also going to bind Satan for a thousand years. This is what Jesus does at his coming. Now at his appearing, at his, when he comes to gather the saints together, he comes to gather the saints unto himself. Ephesians 1.10 Redeem our mortal bodies. He's paid for this body. Thank God. He's paid for this body, spirit, soul, and body. All three parts. He's going to redeem our mortal bodies, Luke 21, 28. He's going to keep the righteous from the time of trial coming on the earth. That's Revelation 3.10. He's going to begin the tribulation period. When he appears, he comes and gathers the saints up, and we go to heaven, and in Revelation chapter 6, you see him opening the seals, the first one who releases the Antichrist. So he starts the tribulation period at that time. And it's also for the revealing of the man of sin. Just like I just said. He re releases the Antichrist. So, let's get back here and see what it says. Coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering together to him, we ask you not to soon be shaken in mind or troubled. Jesus always says this. Don't be shaken in your mind. He's given you a sound mind. And he says, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled at these things. I've already told you, God has got this. Yeah. Don't be troubled. Not soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. See, they were hearing a bunch of false prophets. They were hearing a bunch of false teachings that, you know, the rapture's already come and we're living in the millennium. And, you know, all these different things. And that's why they had gotten confused. <clears throat> Do you not remember? Uh, he says here, uh, verse 3, Let no one deceive you by any means. Do not be deceived by any means. That day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. He's talking about that day. He's talking about the day of the Lord, which is the last day of the tribulation period. And he says that day will not come unless there's a falling away. And, so, and, it, and that word is apostasia. And that word apostasia is only used like twice in the scripture. But when you go to following that word back and studying that word back, you find out that it, uh, it means a defection from the truth. It means a divorce. It means to remove it also means to depart away, to separate a separation or a departure. 
So when you go back and you look at what the word, the root words of that is, <clears throat> you find that it means it's a departure. So we, you know, we've been taught many, many times that people are going to fall away from the faith. But that's not what this is concerning. This is concerning the catching away of the church, the gathering together of ourselves and the coming of the Lord. It's not concerning the falling, uh, falling away in the church. So what is this falling away? What is this departure that comes first before the man of sin is revealed? Who is this and or what is this departure? Well, let's just go on to read here because um, the scripture is great about telling you. It says the man of sin is revealed after the departure. He's the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Let's skip down to verse 6. And now you know what is restraining. Oh, there's something restraining this man of sin from just going wild here. Now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. The man of sin has to be revealed in his own time. When is his own time? It's the seven-year period of tribulation. That is the man of sin's time. For the mystery, <clears throat> for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Oh. There's a he who is restraining the lawless one from being revealed. Now, in my Bible, the he is capitalized, uh, meaning deity, showing deity. And we have been taught many, many times before that the Holy Spirit will be removed from the earth and the Antichrist will be re released and he'll rule and have his reign and he'll destroy the earth and he'll do all these things. He'll just be, you know, have carte blanche. Do what you want, Antichrist. But there's a problem with that. You, the Holy Spirit is God. You can't take God out and put him in where you want to. He is omnipresent. So it, this can't be the Holy Spirit because even during the tribulation period, we see m great multitudes getting saved during the tribulation period. Great multitudes. And the Holy Spirit is the agent of salvation. You know, you met the Holy Spirit first before you met Jesus. Because He's the one that brings that loving conviction and points you towards Jesus. You meet the Holy Spirit first, and He points you towards Jesus. So it can't be the Holy Spirit that's removed. But it says, you know now what is restraining, that He may be revealed in His own time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only He who now restrains will do so until He is taken out of the way. So if he is not Jesus, obviously, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's not God, you can't take them out, what other deity is there? The church. The body of Christ. 
We are part of Jesus. We are in the body which he is the head. There has to be a departure. He says, don't be deceived. There must be a falling away. There must be a departure first before the man of sin can be revealed. Before the Antichrist can even be revealed, we, the church, have to be taken out of the way because we are the restraining force. We have a power. We have authority over lawlessness. We have, a pow we have power and authority over lawlessness. Does that mean that we're going to overcome and, and, and just stomp out lawlessness? No. But we can restrain it. A restrainer restrains it, keeps it from getting to its full power. You know? If you have a nice sports car, sometimes it's hard to restrain getting on that gas pedal and going, you know? But uh, we are a restrainer. We are the restraining force in the earth today. And we have to be caught away. And that catching away is right there. And if you go back just a chapter back there in, in first, first Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who have passed away, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him, with, bring him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that's a good source, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have fallen asleep in the Lord, who have gone on before us. For the Lord himself, this is the departure right here, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. That shout is come up here. It's come up here. We get that out of Revelation chapter 4 when, when the Lord calls John, John up, and Revelation chapter 11, when he calls the two witnesses up, he says, come up here. So he shouts, come up here, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. Not an angelic trumpet, the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord Therefore, comfort one another with these words. These words are to bring us comfort. We are to know that the lawless one cannot be released until we are caught up. This should give us a great comfort. We're not going to have to deal with the great amount of tribulation. See, the Thessalonians thought that the tribulation period was already happening. But Paul told me, he said, look, when the fire of Jesus' wrath comes, he says, it's going to be a lot worse than what you're seeing now. You don't want to be around for this. Y'all are doing good. Remember what he said. He said your faith is growing exceedingly. Your love for everyone. Your patience. In the persecutions, you endure. And that's why we have to be in church. That's why we come to the sanctuary. So pastor can impart things to us. So we can endure. So the Holy Spirit can use him to give us things that will build our faith and that it will grow exceedingly. Yeah. Hebrews 10.25 says that we are to gather ourselves all the more when we see the day of the Lord approaching. And we see those signs. We're going to talk about them during the worship service today. It's exciting. We need fellowship with one another. Yeah. We need a relationship with Jesus communicating with Him every day. 
communicating with Him every day. Because we are the restrainer. And if we're to be a good restrainer, what restrains your meat from getting bad and going bad? Used to, well, it used to be salt. Salt was a preservative. It kept stuff around. We're keeping righteousness around. We are the restrainer of lawlessness. That's why we don't need to be in any kind of sins. We don't need to be doing wrong because we're a restrainer of lawlessness. We're not the doers of lawlessness. And so it's exciting because Jesus is coming soon. So we can see as we live our lives upright before God, we can be the restrainer of this lawlessness and sin. We may not annihilate it, however, we can be a force to be reckoned with. This, can, this gives us confidence. We can have confidence in God that He has made us the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Light restrains darkness. In a, I mean, light don't even restrain darkness, does it? It just does away with it. <laughs> Brother Copeland said, even a lightning bug can get rid of darkness. <laughs> even a lightning bug. So, this gives us a little information letting us know that the timing of the rapture is before the tribulation period even starts. Before it even starts. And there's much more evidence to the, to the pre-catching away of the rapture. So I wanted to share that little bit with you so you know we're going up first and we're going to be in a condition of a glorious church. The one without spot without blemish. Does that mean we're going to be perfect in ourselves? No. But as we come together and supply what every joint supplies and we become tightly knit together as the body of Christ, the body will be perfect. It will be mature. It will be without spot, without blemish. We'll have our place. We'll work alongside the Baptists and the Catholics and, and the Pentecostals and you know, everybody can work together in the unity of the faith of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so it, it, it's awesome. It's awesome. And we get to be a part of that. Amen. And that's what I had for this period of time for the Bible study this morning. Do you have any, anything else? Or? Well, you, uh, you know, one of the things that we talked about even the first time that you came was that there's many raptures there's more right. than just one which is what confuses a lot of people but also you read the verse earlier that we are not those that grieve as as if we have no hope and one of the things we you know y'all know we had a message on hope just a few weeks ago where it says in Romans I think it's 15:13 it says that God is a God of hope and by his holy spirit he empowers us to the fullness of his hope all right but hope is a joyful confident expectation Amen. so at what point does it make sense for God uh to say that his wrath poured out on us is joy so if he's told us that we're to be a people of hope and I'm a God of hope, then there's no point that his children who are supposed to always be in hope without lack are going to be tasting his wrath, which he said in Isaiah 50, uh, 
51 and 54, mm -hmm. he said, this is like the promise of Noah. You will never taste of my wrath again. He says it similar in 51 and in chapter 54 of Isaiah. And he's talking about you when you become born again. So we can take hope uh, up at any point ever in our life as a child of God and say, I can be of hope. I'm not like those that grieve. Right. I'm like those that have a hope. No matter what's going on in the world, it never makes the promises of God null and void. That's right. That's what you're saying. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. I mean, you know, we can face all kinds of different things that come at us because we have an adversary. You know, his name is Satan. And we have an adversary, and he's going to throw things at us. But we've already, Jesus has already overcome him. Yes, he has. He's already overcome him. And, and, and we don't have to be concerned about those things. We don't need to get in fear about what we're going to do about a situation, whatever Never. it may be. Because God cares for us, and he said to cast that care onto him. Yes. He's got it planned. What is the absolute, the biggest fear that people have is death. But if we've been born again, there is no death for us. Amen. Jesus right. annihilated death. Amen. When he died and went to hell and he rose again, he blew a hole right through <laughs> death. Yeah. Just boom, right through death. Amen. Death where and it's sting. It yeah. has no sting, man. Yeah. It's a big oh, it's like walking it's like just like walking around in here. When we die, we just go right into the presence of God. Right into the presence of our Lord Jesus. Yeah. There's no pain involved in that. It's joyful. Because he says, precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. Yes. He, he longs to see us. He knows we got stuff to do here, but he longs to see us. He loves us. That's he loves right. us more than anyone else could love us. And he says, precious in his, in his sight is the death of his saints. We go right to be with him instantly. And, you know, some people think about uh, maybe a horrible automobile accident. You know, you know what did, that, did my did my son feel a lot of pain then? Well, no. We have angelic protection. Right. We have angelic protection. In the Psalms, it says that the that the angels will bear us up lest we dash our foot against a stone. That's right. yeah. When P, when uh, Stephen was being stoned, he looked up. And he said, "Forgive him, Lord." Don't, don't lay this charge at their feet for stoning me. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, that's a little hard to sit there and talk like that when rocks. Right. I mean, <laughs> rocks are hitting you. Yeah. They, he didn't feel it. Yes. He didn't feel that because of the angelic protection that we have. Yes. There was testimonies after testimonies of people that have had like a near-death experience where, and they were Christian, mm -hmm. the Christian ones, and they don't even remember the moment where like they supposedly died and then before they came back to life or were brought back to life. However, either medically or spiritually, it happened. And they, with the ones that are Christians, every story that I've heard, they don't even remember the moment. Because they don't taste it because Jesus tasted it. That's right. And a lot of the martyrs in the early church, they were having a problem because even like when they'd burn them at the stake, they would come and they'd be smiling in the middle of having, fire. yes, 
because the Lord takes it. He's already tasted that death so that we don't. So there's so much that we don't have to fear, like everything. We don't have to fear anything. That's right. Yeah, so, we're, not, we're not natural people. We're supernatural Amen. People. I just want to like high five you right yeah. now. So, amen. That's, God's so good. He's so good. And we can trust him and take hope in him all the time and what you're laying out there and and I remember when you came the very first time and it was such a blessing because my as a pastor the last thing I want is somebody to get up here tell you about the end times and you go oh my gosh I'm ah don't what are we going to do and so I didn't know Dwayne as well then but when he came it was beautiful and one of the first things he told me was look everybody focuses on the antichrist right but that's what the numbers yeah, we were talking let, about last yeah. night. Let's, let's just turn your, in your Bible to Revelation chapter 6 real quick. Now the Antichrist in the book of Revelation, which is the awesome book, the most wonderful book in the Bible, the only book in the Bible that has a proclaimed blessing in it. Yeah. It just comes right and tells you, blessed is he who reads. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what version are you using? I use a New King James. New King James. Okay. Mm -hmm. but, uh, I was trying to when, find it. I didn't when, you go, when you go to Revelation chapter 6, you see, this is where Jesus is opening the seals. He's yeah. just come, call us up. He's standing beside the throne of God, we see in chapter 5. And he's opening the seals in chapter 6. The first one releases the Antichrist, the white horse rider. Then he releases the red horse rider and the, and the, and the pale horse rider and the black horse rider. But when you get to verse 8, now we've all heard that the Antichrist rules the world. When you get to verse 8, it says, so, look and, so I looked and behold a pale horse and the name of him who followed him on it was death and Hades followed him. And power, see this is, this is the key here, and power was given to them, the white horse rider, the antichrist, the red horse rider, the black horse rider, and the pale horse rider. Power or authority was given to them over how much? One fourth of the earth. Just one-fourth. Just one-fourth. It's in yes. every Bible. It's in every version. Yet we have people on Christian TV and people everywhere saying the Antichrist is going to rule the world. He is not a major figure. There's over 55 references to Jesus and only about five or six to the Antichrist, the Mark of the Beast, and the False Prophet in the book of Revelation. Verse 1, Revelation 1, verse 1, is, is a major key. The revelation yes. of Jesus Christ. Yes. It's not the revelation of the Antichrist and the, and the revelation of the tribulation period. It's the revelation of Jesus. Throughout yes. the Gospels, we see Jesus as Savior in, in the Gospels. And then in the epistles, we see him as head of the church. But any artist that paints a picture on a canvas will tell you that the picture is not worth anything unless it is three-dimensional. And the third dimension of Jesus is in the magnificent book of Revelation, and it is triumphant yeah, King yeah. and Savior. Yes. And when we come to know him as that triumphant King and say that triumphant King, yes. man, and we're in him? Yes. We're triumphant. Yes. And look at uh, 
So the Bible tells us to be aware of the schemes of the devil or the plans or the way that he moves, the way that he works. Be aware of that. So what I want you to see right now is, and we've talked about the devil, he's just a bully. He tries to bully people. So I want you to see this. You've got a whole book that reveals Christ as the triumphant king, and yet he has tr deceived pretty much the world into focusing on the five references to the Antichrist. And that's what, when you say revelation, everybody thinks Antichrist and tribulation. And yet, what's really it's talking about is a triumphant Jesus. That's right. So, Absolutely. look, you ought to get come up with some righteous anger. I mean, <laughs> Lord, oh, no, I will not be deceived again. I'm, no, uh-uh. I see it now. And you ought to let that motivate you to see the victory in Christ over what is really the defeat of, a, of an enemy. You said it. I loved what you said last night. He's a major failure. He's the major failure. And, and I always say he's, the Antichrist will be a, will be a bigger failure. He'll, uh, that uh, Hitler was more successful than the Antichrist will be. It's a big statement. You know, he's only got seven years to do what he's got to do. The first three and a half is just getting things prepared for his rule. See, the, the ten horns that the Antichrist, the little horn rises out of, the ten horns, they rule during the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. The Antichrist doesn't even rule. He just is revealed and starts becoming a major player amongst the ten. And at the middle of the tribulation period, that's when he rises up and his kingdom begins then. Yeah. So, you know, he's just got three and a half years. That's all. It's a huge statement. Yes, it is. Huge statement. And that should, that should encourage us to the victory in Christ and the hope in Christ and nothing less of that, which lines up with the character and nature of God throughout the whole world. He's always pushing us to a victory and, and leading us to the place of hope. And that's just it. Don't let a bunch of gloom and doom uh, prophets that may or may not be prophets in the first place lead you to a place that you are in fear of what's going on. You stand up. The word says this, no evil shall befall me. The word says Jesus prayed himself. You are kept. I pray that you keep them from the evil one. Yes. At no point should you allow God's word to be broken in your heart and mind, but you should take hope knowing that I'm walking through Jesus is protecting me and everything's going to be okay and I take hope I take a joy yeah. I have a confidence and an expectation of the protection of my Savior who saves me from anything and, and everything, everything. Amen. Amen. Amen Amen. you want to finish by prayer or what or, or we can just say bye <laughs> whatever you <laughs> well Father we just thank you for the word that's gone forth so far this morning Thank you that it will have spoken to the people who have heard it and it will not return void, but it will build them up and make them more equipped for these end times. Thank you, Father, for it. I call everyone blessed, blessed, blessed. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning and watching. And